You're listening to IQVIA Business Insights, a series of discussions about some of the biggest issues and questions facing our global healthcare ecosystem and how the integration of data, scientific expertise, technology, and analytics can drive business and patient outcomes forward. Good day, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of our 2023 Agile Brand Promotion podcast series. Business Insights, Sensible First Steps for Small and Emerging Biopharma Organizations. I'm your host, Matthew Smith, a Senior Principal in IQVIA's Strategy Consulting Group with responsibilities for leading a team focused on new commercial models and omnichannel engagement, welcoming you to today's discussion. Now, we've seen that post-pandemic, in-person interactions are starting to rebound and very much remain a critical component of customer engagement strategy. That being said, HCPs are also showing increased comfort with and confidence in digital and virtual channels. In fact, a recent IQVIA brand impact survey indicated that around 68% of HCPs found informational emails to be more convenient when compared to in-person visits. However, the same HCPs also said they continue to see value in face-to-face engagement with around 70% of respondents preferring in-person visits when interacting with reps or MSLs directly. So, you know, if you look across the different data sets, it does seem to see that we are in very much the era of true omni-channel engagement and that it is here to stay post-pandemic. Additionally, it's also clear that there's no one size fits all um, anymore and approaches to customer engagement need to be omni-channel, but also need to be personalized and flexible uh, and that we need more agile approaches to be successful. As a result, life sciences companies are prioritizing new commercial and customer engagement models. And for emerging and small biopharma companies that are not as constrained by some of their larger peers by complexities of existing size and scale, there's an opportunity to be more nimble and more flexible and more agile and develop these new models more quickly and effectively. However, to date, um, you know, we haven't seen as much progress as perhaps we'd like and few um, emerging biopharma or small pharma companies have truly excelled in this space. Today, we'll explore why that is um, and try to identify both leading practices and sensible first steps that small and pre-commercial organizations can take with their customer engagement journeys. I'm very pleased to say that I'm joined by two of my IQVIA colleagues um, today and resident emerging biopharma and small business segment leaders, Susan Kitless and Frank Papiani. Susan leads our pre-commercial team, supporting customers who are preparing to launch their first product in the US market, and places a large emphasis on helping customers design a strong and flexible engagement model to support this. Frank leads our small and non-pharma segments like IQVIA with a very similar focus to Susan around helping to build those flexible engagement models. And today's for today's discussion, he'll be focused obviously on the small pharma segment where his customers are the small pharma companies who already have an asset in market and are looking to launch their second or third product or simply redirect their their, uh, in-market efforts to drive greater market value. Thank you so much both for joining me. Um, And with introductions out of the way, let's dive into it. So why do we feel that many emerging biopharma and small pharma companies aren't perhaps making the leaps we might expect? 
what are some of the common obstacles and pitfalls that are being faced? Um, perhaps, Susan, if I can start with you. Absolutely. Thanks, Matt. And thanks, everyone, for joining today. So I would say there's a few key obstacles that I'm observing in the pre-commercial companies I support. Number one is lack of resources. We all know we're facing this lack of resources, lower budgets. So with so few people supporting the launch, it's really difficult for them to find the time to think about how to launch with a different and unique approach. So a lot of them are falling back on what they might have done a few years ago, rather than perhaps thinking through how they might take a different approach this time around. So we still see that lack of coordination between the sales rep activity and the non-personal promotion, making it really difficult for them to optimize and maximize the return across channel and HCP interactions. Oftentimes, the non-personal promotion is a, a bit of an afterthought, something they're thinking about as they get really close to that launch timeline, or in some cases, after the launch occurs, just due to lack of time to really think through and develop a strong strategy. In addition, pre-commercial companies don't always know where to start, and there's this fear or feeling like they need to jump into every channel rather than just focusing on engaging their customers where it matters most. So they need to start small, expand over time. That has proven to be the best plan and something that helps them manage that, that challenge with low resources and low budget. Thank you, Susan. Um, perhaps I can turn to you, Frank, for your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. First off, uh, good afternoon, everybody, and thanks, Matt, for uh, the introduction. So um, for me, I think in the small farmer world, I see many companies you know, struggling with doing something different. You know, these companies are launching their second or third product, uh, and many have had success with these previous launches, right? And given that success, I certainly see a lot of the, uh, you know, if it isn't broke, don't fix it uh, mentality. And unfortunately, that just won't work in today's environment, right? This approach will not work with uh, many companies struggling to move away from that previous successful strategies and adopting a new go-to-market approach. So I think uh, they all see that it needs to be different. But limited time and resources helps fuel that resistance to change even more uh, you know, than what they're dealing with already. And I think furthering this resistance to change uh, is the perception that omnichannel means you need to have a strategy to be you know, everywhere uh, for everyone. And this simply you know, just is not the case. Omnichannel can be very powerful if you optimize your approach and focus on certain channels that truly bring your largest ROI, right? So by being focused and optimizing your approach, you know, I believe that this will allow the small pharma companies to implement and manage that change management process much more efficiently uh, you know, than what that, but now I've seen them you know, typically do today. Thanks for that. I, I certainly love that point that uh, omni-channel doesn't, doesn't mean everything, everywhere, all, all at once. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a, unfortunately a common misconception, but it's, it's about being targeted, being personalized, and getting those channels to work in harmony with one another rather than... Uh, going against the grain, which we see all too often, sadly. Um, but we touched on resourcing, we touched on change management um, as some of those channels and, and, and the confusion around it, Omnichannel. I wonder if we can pivot and kind of talk about what we think good looks like for an emerging biopharma and indeed small biopharma in, in this space. Again, Susan, if I can perhaps turn to you first for your thoughts. Sure, absolutely. So I think there are a lot of companies who are on track to do things the right way. And there's three critical points in my mind. One is having a really strong understanding of your patient base. So who is your target audience and where do you need to intervene in that patient journey so you can effectively target your HCPs at the right time? Because 
we've observed that when that is done and you, you get to the HCPs when they need the information most, the greatest return comes. The second point, and I think I mentioned this the last time we spoke, Matt, was ensuring you have a high quality customer data, that it's well organized and it's stood up in a way that allows for easy integration with your promotional tactics. This doesn't mean you need to have an overly complex information management architecture. You don't need to have what large pharma has, but rather keep it simple and make sure it is well thought out and that the vendors you're working with are able to provide you back the information you need to connect the data together so that you can optimize across your promotional channels rather than looking at them in silos. And lastly, I would say stay aligned as an organization on the channels you wanna start with. You know, We've said this a few times, Frank, Matt, myself, we've all said it. Make sure you start small and expand over time. Make sure you have the ability to measure the performance by channel and by HCP segment so that you can flex towards what is working and expand from there. So I think those are three key things, Matt, that I would really emphasize to all of my customers. I really liked a lot of those. That, that, that's very helpful. Um, Frank, love to get your thoughts on this on the same question. Yeah, sure. So, so I think first, Susan, um, you know, thank you for that response because I think uh, there are a lot of similarities uh, to what you just described for what looks good, even in the small pharma, um, you know, segment. So I would just add that I think, you know, these customers also need a very good view um, of their customer, probably even more in small pharma than in pre-commercial, given that these customers will have many more disparate data sets. Uh, from whether it's third parties, you know, their own SP data, uh, or even their own, you know, data like uh, 867 data. So having that correct technology uh, from an infrastructure perspective to support this integration is absolutely uh, critical, right? It is this integration of data that will help the small pharma customer understand every trigger point within their patient's journey and knowing when to intersect within that journey what the right message is at the right time. And doing that will be the difference in my mind between a successful launch and unfortunately a failed launch. Thank you. Um, so we we heard about uh, you know that that importance of understanding the customer, um, having that kind of foundational quality um, data, and then obviously being very deliberate um, and targeted and pre precise around the channels and that customer engagement as being applicable to both um, across both emerging biopharma and, and small companies. Um, if we kind of move away from kind of those areas that, um, you know, are, are associated with kind of what good looks like, I was wondering maybe if we get a little bit more kind of practical and just share a few illustrative examples of what leading practice looks like to help kind of bring that conversation to life. So perhaps, Frank, I can start with you this time um, around sharing some examples. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we have a really good example with a uh, a customer that we've just been working with uh, where their product is now two years out from launch and unfortunately has been uh, you know reaching a plateau. So the organization was putting a lot of pressure you know, on their sales force to change that trajectory of this product. Unfortunately, the result in, in that type of strategy was just a larger burden uh, on their sales teams and costs were increasing with no return right on their investment. Uh, so this company came to us and, and we worked with them to uh, implement an omni-channel strategy where they focused on a digital approach. Right. This method, you know, reduced the burden on the sales force by allowing that sales force to focus their time on their high writing HCPs, while their digital strategy really increased their reach with specific messages 
almost in real time fashion with HCPs and patients. What this actually helped them with and what resulted in is reduced cost by focus being focused, giving them a wider reach, right, to get their message out to a broader market, which ultimately found new patients, which again drove their uh, product back to growth. So ultimately, a real success story across making them more efficient uh, and driving, you know, more more uh, prescriptions through their products that help you know, drive that uh, growth that they had. Thanks for that, Frank. Um, Susan, I wonder if we can turn to you to get the kind of pre-commercial angle of, of illustrative case studies. Sure, absolutely. And like you, Frank, I've, I have a company example that's somewhat similar and that they use that digital approach to reach additional HCPs that maybe they weren't getting to out of the gate. So I have a customer who has launched a team of key account managers her, who are out securing contracts with the large IDNs and institutions for their product. And what they did was they bolted on a team of inside sales reps to help them do the pull through, actually work with the physicians aligned to those institutions to make sure that they were actually utilizing the product that was contracted for through the IDNs. And then on top of that, they layered on um, the AMXR offering that IQVIA offers to help them identify when a physician was searching for specific content. And they did this for their targeted physicians, so those they were actually reaching with the field force so that they could intervene at the right moment. Then for the non-targeted physicians, it allowed them to engage digitally with those physicians that they weren't getting to, but at the right time when it mattered most. And what we've observed is when this is orchestrated properly, Acuvia has seen a 22% open rate for the triggered email communications, which is far above anything you typically see for a traditional campaign. Um, in addition, the ROIs we've seen have been upwards of 30 plus percent on these types of campaigns. When you really orchestrate the, the in-person field reps with the CAM team or inside sales team, in addition with the digital. And I think it's just been a great recipe for success without getting overly complex, again, in the number of channels or number of touch points with the physicians. So it's worked out really well um, for this particular customer, but also for a number of our other customers. Um, so Matt, as we've, Frank and I have talked a lot here, we'd actually love to hear your thoughts on where our company should start thinking about their omni-channel approach, because we've both, both talked about some of the challenges of they don't know where to begin this journey. So we'd love to hear from you on how you think they should start it. Happy to share some perspectives and, and thanks for the question. Um, the the classic consulting answer of, uh, of it depends comes, comes to mind, right? And, uh, you know, there is a little bit of truth in that in terms of, you know, whether we're talking about emerging biopharma who are just getting started or whether we're a, a small company that's, you know, got some pilots underway and, and starting to get more scale. But I do think there are some common areas that come to mind in terms of, you know, kind of where companies can think about starting in the space, especially for, uh, you know, the, the pre-com and, and small segments. The first, you know, I'll come back to something that that Susan said earlier. I really think kind of getting that foundational layer of customer insights and understanding um, is critical and getting closer to that 360 degree view of of your HCPs. You know, I think it's important to call out it's not just an emphasis on big data. It's actually about big insight and insight that drive action. So, you know, it's how can you connect those data sets? data sets and go beyond perhaps some of the more traditional data sets in terms of 
claims and, and sales data internally to get to behavioral data of why HCPs are doing certain things. So, you know, kind of connecting in those daily digital behaviors um, to give that view of where our priority customers are looking for and what they're expecting for in terms of channel and content interaction. I think if you've got that customer insights sort of layer in place, then I think the next area that sort of comes to mind is getting that deeper understanding of customer preference through mapping out customer journeys. Um, for emerging biopharma, you know, I think it's uh, important to ascertain kind of those optimal in intervention points along an individual um, customer journey, because that can mean we can move away from this omni-channel means everything everywhere all at once and start to identify those real moments that matter and those moments that matter that the small or pre-commercial company can really make a difference around with its own capabilities and channels. Um, I think within that, you know, it's also important, you know, to recognize that customer journey mapping, A, shouldn't be kind of a checkbox exercise. You know, too often it's something that's done and then thrown away. It really needs to drive that engagement strategy. And B, you know, recognizing that journeys are going to be non-linear. Customers are going to progress, you know, backwards and forwards, up, down, left and right through those journeys. So again, making sure we're harnessing that data, the insights, the understanding and building around those kind of intervention points um, is, is critical from that, that customer journey mapping perspective. And then I think lastly, and this does somewhat sort of depend on, on maturity, there can be an aspect of kind of going back to base principles a little bit, um, by which I mean it can be very, very easy to drive into kind of activity in this space. And we see kind of companies doing what I'd say is sort of, you know, dabbling in digital or just doing digital. And they and they they'll get pilots underway and then they'll look back six months later and sort of say, well, what's happened? Why haven't we got the impact that, that we expected? I do think it's critical as you start to scale your commercial organizations to make sure that the leaders from, um, you know, the marketing, from the sales, from the data and analytics, from your commercial operations functions, have a similar understanding of what we mean by when we say omni-channel, what we mean by when we say customer experience, what's in and out of scope, making sure that everybody is aligned to the same visions, because as you scale and you move quickly, it can be very easy to put your head down and start driving platform creation or, um, you know, analytical efforts. It can be too late if you don't pull your head up and sort of say, are we coordinating what we're doing? Are our customers seeing the right results? So making sure you've got that kind of internal knowledge, understanding the language, the lexicon that comes with this space, and so that you're all marching to the same kind of tune as you go forward in lockstep um, is, is really quite critical. So those would be my, my three things of where to start in terms of customer insights, customer journey mapping, and then as you get going, definitions and sort of the road mapping efforts um, that, that are all uh, critical, I think, to success. Thanks, Matt. And I couldn't agree more as we have continued to emphasize through this discussion. And I really liked that last point about making sure you're all on the same page with definitions and how you're talking about omnichannel. That's really important, especially for these small organizations who don't have a lot of people. So you need to be fully aligned. Um, Frank, any last thoughts from you? Yeah, sure. So first, uh, Matt, thank you for that response. That was extremely uh, informative and helpful on, uh, you know, certainly where to start. So uh, appreciate that response. Thank you. Um, I think from my perspective, you know, for the small pharma companies, it's critical to start with assessing your current landscape and infrastructure. 
right? So too often I see companies trying to implement new strategies with their current landscape and infrastructure that was you know, built for their first launch probably several years ago. Uh, and that simply won't work in a post-COVID world. So I would suggest a diagnostic of current state, right? Determining what is working well and what needs improvement as it aligns to your strategic goals. Once this is identified, you can then begin to optimize the appropriate channels within an omni-channel approach that will be uh, most beneficial to the success of your product. Focusing on those channels will allow you to drive your key messages through the patient's journey at the right time, as I had you know, mentioned before. Um, but I think once you have this established as an established base, you can then scale if needed to expand to other channels as a phased approach. So I would really summarize this by saying, start small, be focused within a specific uh, you know, channel, have the right infrastructure that will allow you the scalability to enable expansion where needed uh, as your product continues uh, to drive through a growth uh, trajectory. That's great, thanks Frank. And the only thing I would add to what Matt and Frank said was just make sure you have the ability to measure it. Going back to that infrastructure, make sure it's set up in a way that you can measure the channels and optimize after you've determined what's working and then scale from there. I think that's really important. And sometimes that's the piece that's that's missed is that measurement. So key point that I would just end with on my part. I think that's a, that's a great note to end on and, and definitely uh, an, an important piece, measuring, uh, measuring customer engagement and business impact, not just kind of activity. But with that, I'd just like to wrap things up. Um, obviously, I want to say a big thank you to my co-panelists, Susan and Frank. Really enjoyed that conversation and hope our uh, our listeners have too. Definitely some uh, insightful, but also practical and pragmatic insights for our listeners there. And for our listeners themselves, thank you so much for joining uh, this edition of our Agile Brand Promotion podcast series. New episodes will be released regularly, so please follow our IQVIA United States LinkedIn page for updates. And until next time, I'm Matt Smith. Take care. Thank you for listening. To learn more about this and other topics facing healthcare ecosystems around the world, visit IQVIA.com.